listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. and welcome to episode 116 of On The Road. This week's show has an international flavour to it, with Mike joining us from New Zealand where he's gathering some great content for future episodes. There's a great chat with a bloke who's built an amazing 1/14th scale working radio control model of a Kenworth 909. Our guest in the Aussie Muso segment is a talented singer-songwriter who also happens to drive big tippers in the Pilbara. We'll hear all about her parallel careers as a truck driver and recording artist along with her latest single. A little later on in the show, Mike latches on to the all-important subject of changeover bays in our Something to Talk About segment. There's all the latest from the On the Road newsroom recorded live at great expense across the expansive ocean we affectionately call The Ditch. And around off a great show, Aussie music legend Adam Brand rolls out his brand new single for us. So... Let's get this show on the road! Yes! Get over there! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> Across the nation, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, australiantruckradio.com.au Something a little bit different today. We've got a bloke named Darren Booth with us who has built a radio control model, a 114th scale Kenworth 909, and I saw it on the RC Little Trucks Facebook page. I was just intrigued by it. I thought I'd get hold of him and have a chat. So here's the interview I recorded with Darren Booth. Darren Booth, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Mike. How are you going? All right, mate. I am absolutely gobsmacked. We're looking at this model of yours, and it's, what you say, about two feet long and about 12 inches tall and about six inches wide. Yep. Just the prime mover, three and a half kilos, and it's a model of a 909 Kenworth with a 50-inch integrated sleeper. It's got all the bits and pieces on it. This thing is so detailed, it's ridiculous. Now, a lot of you know that I actually drive a 909. And I am looking at this thing, and I cannot see one thing out of place on it. Mate, you're not a professional driver. No, nah, land surveyor. A land surveyor. I've got to ask, what the hell is a land surveyor? Are you a frustrated truck driver? What's the story? Oh, maybe. I've had family in the game. Yeah. Neighbours interstate professional driver. Mate of mine's up at Telly Point. He's an interstate professional driver, so I don't know. It's a hobby. This thing is incredible. Is it modelled after a real one or is it just from your imagination? Yeah, so the background is is that one of my uncles was driving out of Kempsey and he had an old W900, which was called The President. Yes. Back in the 80s, it was, I think, an Illawarra truck show winner. And this one here is actually modelled on one of his son's old trucks, hence The President too. So it's it's modelled on a real truck, yeah. Yeah, right. Mate, I can't believe the detail in this thing, even to down underneath it with the drive line and the yokes and the universal joints, the whole thing. I've got to ask you, mate, when did you start building this? How long has it taken you to build? 
I actually ordered the base kit August last year. I think it took about a month to arrive. From then on, I've just been plugging away at it on weekends, basically. So where did you get the kit from? Okay, so there's a guy up in Queensland, Ian Wall, who's also a former driver. He's got a a website called arstat.com.au and sells parts. But you can get the base kit from various hobby stores as well. They're a Tamiya kit. This one's based on what they call the King Hauler, which is if you build it out of the kit, you'd end up with a a Ken built or a Peterworth. Yeah, right. Right, so it's a bit of a hybrid thing. Yeah, you built this truck. It's got absolutely everything on it I can see. There's just not a thing out of place on it. You've got a trailer for it as well, so... I've got two, but I just haven't built the other one. Right. So you're going to build a dolly as well? You're going to turn it into a road train? No, I've got to cut the chassis down on, on one of the trailers, turn it into an A-trailer. So you're going to make a B-double out of it? Yeah, yeah. As per original. Why wouldn't you turn it into a road train? I've actually got three turntables coming. Oh, yeah. And the, the reason for the third one is to build a dolly. <laughs> Of course it would be. Because <laughs> you can actually get 114 scale ring feeds as well. Can you? Yeah. You get 114 anything, just about. So that's a 114 scale kit? Yep. And it's a radio-controlled kit. It moves, it drives, it does everything that it's supposed to do. I know it does because I've seen it do it. Yep. The radio control panel I can see there, is that's what a two- or three-channel radio control is it? No, she's a 10-channel stick. Righto. As opposed to the pistol grip with the pretend steering wheel on it. Well, that's the sort of radio control that you would use on a helicopter or something, like a radio control helicopter. Or an aeroplane, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or an aeroplane, yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. Now, I'm still getting used to using joysticks rather than a steering wheel, to the truth. Right. Why would you go with that? Because, I mean, really, all you need to do is be able to go forwards and backwards and left to right. Yeah, yeah. Is there a reason why you've gone for the more channels? This thing's got a three-speed gearbox in it. Yes. So I need channels to switch the gears. Yes. I can switch the gears. A sound system in it, volume control, you need switches for horns, jakes, various sound effects. <laughs> it's got jakes as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to, don't you? You do. You do. <laughs> you really do. Hey, hang on. Listen to this. Right, uh, <laughs> do it again. <laughs> Unbelievable. There's 63 LEDs I've still got to wire up yet, so you've got to have switches for indicators and the daytime running lights and the spotties and then the highs and the lows and the, the clearance lights. And... Okay, I've got it. You've gone completely insane then. Well, you can't do it. You can't do it with a free channel. Yeah, no. Nah. Unless you're just going to, you know, basically steer it forward and reverse. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I, I, I see where you're going with it now. You obviously, you need those extra channels to do all those extra bits and pieces. That's right. Has your wife divorced you yet? No, I divorced her a long time ago. <laughs> So that's not a problem I have to worry about. Oh, no. I was joking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm not. She got the gold mine, I got the shaft. Ah, yeah, no, we've all been there, mate. (laughs) Jeez, maybe we'll edit that bit out. (laughs) (laughs) So this truck has got absolutely everything on it. It goes, it drives, it makes noises and all the rest of it. Why did you choose to build a 909 Kenworth? I've seen others. I mean, I, I understand why you'd build a Kenworth. If I was going to build one, that's what I'd build. It's taken you, what, what did you say, buddy, how many months? We'd be coming up to 14 months. Taking you 14 months. Then this was a COVID project, you tell me. Yeah, I, I ordered it thinking there was going to be a massive lockdown and it would give me something to do if I was stuck at home. But uh, like I said, we didn't really have one up here on the North Coast. So, so it gave me more time to focus on it a bit. I suppose in terms of why it was a 909, I wanted something that looked real as well. Yes. Yeah. Being a surveyor, I'm into the detail. 
And uh, the more I sort of prowl around on YouTube and Facebook and that sort of thing, I realised that it could be done. So I've just worked towards it. And, and of course, same as one of my cousin's old trucks, I knew there were some photo resources from SLS Customs. I think they're in, up the Hunter there. They had a, an album full of detailed photos, so I could use them as references, and I figured, well, that's where I'll go. So I'm just looking at the model there now, and you've got the side panels. You've got the Kenworth stainless on the side of the bonnet there. You've got the flying, uh, what is it, a flying swan or an eagle or something there on the bonnet. Got the eagle, yeah. You didn't make those. Were they part of the kit, or did they come from somewhere else? In terms of the kit, from what you can see, and like I said, I'll send you a video so you can upload it, but basically what you can see that's red yes. is the kit. Right. Everything else is hop-up, bought overseas, bought locally, scratch-made, etc., etc. Well, all, all the cab and the bonnet and everything was part of the kit, though, wasn't it? No. As I said, the kit, if you built the kit out of the box, you'd end up with some sort of hybrid-looking Peterbilt slash Kenworth, because to me, I don't have a license to do a Kenworth brand truck, so they've got these hybrids. Righto. Yep. You know, so the, the sleeper and the dovetail, it was 3D printed in America. Cab was from the same mob. The bonnet came from the fellow up in uh, Queensland, Ian. The Eagle, it was from America, an eBay purchase. Air cleaner rises. Again, the, the stacks and yeah, and, and the filters, they're a Chinese brand, but you can get them on eBay. But I got these again from the fella up in Queensland. Elfin ears in front of the filters there, they were from China or somewhere. The brains of it, the electrics inside of it, mm. I think it was about 300 bucks from Germany. So she's an international truck. She's been built from bits and pieces all over the joint, as well as the bits I've made myself from scratch. When you set out to do this, <laughs> were you aware that it was going to be this much of a treasure hunt to get all the bits that you needed to make it look the way you wanted? No, no, I didn't. No, not at all. No. You do have to look hard online for you know all the bits and pieces. But you're not a member of a club or anything like that. If you were, they'd probably be able to help you and source all this sort of stuff as well, wouldn't they? Well, I think the clubs are sort of more social and, and then you sort of sit back and talk to each other and, and help each other with how to do things and where to get stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, again, the nearest one to me would be Newcastle. Right. Mate, I, I am actually so impressed with this thing. It just blows me away, the whole thing. And, of course, I can see the back of the trailer sitting down there behind your desk as well. I saw the video of it driving around with the trailer on it last night. I've got to ask you a rude question. Yeah, go for, I know what it's going to be. How much? Well, let me start with the two trailers, which is currently, they're the same two trailers. They're a Skell chassis and fridge van on top, a fridge container. Yep. So I've got two of them. I've swapped out the uh, super singles for jewels. I've thrown away the plastic guards and put on stainless, and that's about it in terms of extra bits for those. Those two trailers alone, freighted anyway, were probably 2,300. <gasps> Oh, sorry, I've got the full alloy rims on them too. There's no plastic rims on them. They're all, they're all solid turned alloy rims. The truck itself, I'd say the base kit would have been about 750 The receiver and the transmitter combined would be about 700 Oh, You, you add it up and do the maths. 300 for the brains, all the stainless parts that are on it. Like I said, most of what is in the kit that comes with the kit that's plastic, I've, I've thrown away and replaced Look, you'd be four grand for the truck. Yeah. Four and a half. That'd be including, you know, buying tools that I didn't have, snapping drill bits on stainless and realising that that's not what you do. You don't go hard on the stainless and, you know, go and buy more drill bits. Because, like, some of the hardware on it, we're talking one millimetre diameter stuff. Some of the holes and the bolts that you're putting onto them, pretty fine stuff. 
We'll just slip off and have a quick break and uh, hear from one of our sponsors, mate, and we'll be right back with Darren Booth to talk some more about this lovely model truck. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. We're back with Darren. Mate, what now? <laughs> I mean, you said that you've got an A-trailer that you want to build and you're talking about building a dolly as well. You can get the uh, 1-14th scale ring feeder, you said. Yeah. I mean, you've come this far. How far are you going to go? This is your first build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, anybody else that's going to be listening to this who's been doing this all their life, I've got to put the disclaimer out that this is the first one I've ever built. I've built model aeroplanes and that sort of thing with kids and that sort of thing, but I've never gone to the trouble of painting, masking, painting, masking, painting, clear coating, applying decals, sanding, 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 polishing, polishing, waxing <laughs> on a model before. Yeah. I'm just looking at all the pinstripes and the, and the decals. and that. Did you make all those or are they... Where did you get those? Okay, so the green and gold pinstripes, yep. they're just masking during the painting process. Right. The scrolls, the lettering and all the other, you know, like the flag and the, and the big mural that's on the back. Yeah. I've basically pilfered images off the interweb yep. and downloaded them onto the computer. Luckily, again, as I said, because I'm a surveyor, I've got access to CAD software, the computer-aided drafting stuff. Yeah. Import it into that, trace it, export it out into Photoshop, tart up the colours and make sure all the colours are the same, put it into, say, Microsoft Word so you can size it, yep. and then you can actually buy decal paper to run through a laser printer Righto. or an inkjet, if that's what you got. I use, you know, the old office laser copier, and you can basically print off the water slide decals. And again, because I had the luxury or knew that the background images of this thing in reality getting built at SLS or blinged up, Lots of good photo references to get lots of detail as well, which helped yeah. me, yeah. Well, I just look at it now, and I, I mean, I can compare that directly to the truck that I drive, and right down to the door handles on the toolbox and the, and the door of the truck, yep. the battery box under the cab, you know? Yeah, the, the battery boxes I made from scratch, they're covered in one fourteen scale diamond plate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think the handles might be sort of bent bits of paper clip and the base form is something I like a little pen tray or something I got from the $2 shop that I carved up to the right dimensions. Really is incredible. I look at the uh, suspension and everything behind the guards there over the drives, even your tail light bar and all that sort of thing. Even the suspension works in it. It's, it just blows me away. They're not oil shocks, but it's got shocks. I see the Kenworth logos on the end of the bull bar and all that. Did you scratch build that bull bar? So the bar, the rear bar, and the tanks, mm. again, used the 3D computer drafting and created the right files. 
I don't have a 3D printer, but I gave it a workmate who emailed the files to his cousin who works at Griffith University and prints drone parts, and right. he printed them out for me and, and mailed them back. Each one of those tanks would have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, uh, probably 15, 16 parts to the tank. Yeah, right. Because you can't print it all in one hit, so I've had to print it all in, in little bits and glue it all together. That's been the toughest thing about this is, is that because you're custom building it, there's, there's no manuals. So you've got all the lights and everything to install and wire up. Still got to do them, yeah. As I say, what's next, mate? Are you going to build another one? Oh. Are you going to build something else? or? I kept on saying this will do, this will do, it's cost me enough. Hmm. And everyone kept on saying back to me in the various forums and that's the thing that you don't stop at one. And I'm thinking if I can find the Tamiya kit that they call the Globe Liner, which is a bit like a cab over freight liner, I do know where I can get some K200 cabs. And, yeah, I don't know. I won't commit to anything, but... You're very tempted. I am, except I know how much it's going to cost me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, it's a hell of a toy. It really is. I'm just looking at it now, and I'd I'd just love to come and just have a play with it and and see how it all goes. It's amazing when you just drive it around your house, how big it actually is in terms of its turning circle and, you know, getting out of the kitchen and up the hallway, you know. (laughs) I can tell you now, mate, from driving a 909 in reality, it's a pretty big turning circle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. I've got it to scale as well then. All I can say to you is congratulations on the build. It's bloody incredible. Cheers, man. You really do deserve to be proud of yourself because it's rare that I see anything that just leaves me looking at it and going, yeah, and that even includes real trucks. Thanks for taking the time out to come and talk to me about it. Yeah, thanks, Mike. So that was Darren Booth. He is a member of the RC Little Trucks Facebook page, first-time model builder, lots of great information. If you want to know any more about it, you can just Google 114th models, have a look, go to the RC Little Trucks Facebook page, have a look at that. Plenty of resources on YouTube. It's just an awesome, awesome things. Something a little bit different to the real trucks, but I tell you what, I couldn't take my eyes off it. Amazing. Kermy here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. Copy there, Andy. Got you go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesel. Yeah, no, it's no joke, really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing. More to the point, these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger. Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of brute strikes. They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland Rail. Yeah, good looking too, just like us. <laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height. Our music guest this week grew up in the small country town of Yandera in New South Wales. 
She had a fair dink and mozzy country upbringing on a property that included a front paddock where she kept and rode her horse and back paddocks that were turned into a motorbike track where she rode her dirt bike. Over the years, she's worked as a bartender, a truck stop waitress and a nanny, but it was in her mid-twenties that she headed over to the mines in the Pilbara in WA to drive dump trucks. The experience was life-changing for her and the fly-in, fly-out lifestyle led to her immersing herself in her songwriting. In 2018, she released her first album, That's Just Me, and has gone from strength to strength ever since. She's been mentored by our mate, the incomparable Gina Jeffries, and as you listen to her songs about hunting and fishing and tearing through the mud on a dirt bike, you'd better believe she's lived every moment of what she's singing about. Here to talk about her life, her career, and her new single titled You Fool is the super-talented and infectious Gemma Beach. Hiya, Gemma. Thanks for joining us on the road. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Now, you know, as soon as I read about your love of motorbikes and dump trucks, you had my attention well and truly. (laughs) You've driven those massive beasts over in the mines in the Pilbara, but I see that between gigs and recording commitments, you're still driving them. You must truly love being behind the wheel of a big truck. I do. I do actually really enjoy it. It actually gives me the time and space to switch off from the world because we're actually not allowed to take our phones on site or laptops or anything like that. Right. You know, I do a roster where I'm five on, five off, so I really switch off for that week. But yeah, it's not too bad. Once you get the hang of it, it's just like driving a car. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it is difficult. I mean, for me, I do a bit of songwriting myself, but I use the old mobile with the notes taker on there. You get a bit of inspiration. You throw a few things down. Very hard if you've got to commit it to memory. Oh, yes. And I will be, you know, I've got a notepad and I write things down and then I will literally just repeat it over and over and over again. Sometimes I I just think, you know, if it's going to stick, it'll stick. If it doesn't, then hopefully I'll remember later. (laughs) You're quoted as saying that you became hooked on country music at the grand old age of three whilst on a road trip with your mum to Queensland. Now, that's what I call an early recollection. Yeah. What was the music you heard on the car radio that inspired you that much at such a young age? Yeah, we would always do family trips every year and we had the old Nissan Nomad van. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm one of four kids, so that was, you know, the best my parents could do at the time. Dad's a concreter, so, you know, he was just focused on providing us food and shelter and that. So the car was just, well, this is, you know, we've got a lot of kids. We've got to fit you all in. Yeah. And it was blue. I remember that too. Cool. But we'd do road trips up to, I think it's on the central coast of New South Wales, Mannering Park. Oh, yeah. It was like a holiday park. Yeah. And, yeah, my poppy, my dad's dad actually lived in there and he had a little section of the caravan park to himself. So. Yeah, that was our spot. We'd put the boat in and it was just country music. And I guess pop kind of influenced my parents onto country music as well. Yeah. But mum really loved the Trisha Yearwood and the Shania Twain, you know, the Faith Hill, the the sweeter female songs that were coming through at the time. Yeah. And I just loved it. Okay. So you're living now in beautiful Singleton in the New South Wales wine country. And you recently launched your new single titled You Fool in the local Caledonian hotel there. How did the launch go? Oh, it was so good. I mean, the short time I've been in this town, you know, I've been here for a couple of years now and 
I love communities and I love to connect with the local businesses sure. and try and, you know, share my music while also getting supported. And it just comes naturally and it's flowed really nicely. And they're excited to have me. I'm excited to be there. And so I actually had a great crowd turn up. It was a free show for something I work hard on and been writing the song. I just, I want to sort of give back as well because that pub, the Caledonian Hotel, they've really supported me. They support so many other businesses in the area as well and support a lot of things. So I was like, you know what, I want to give back, Sure. sort of give everyone a free show and we got to premiere the music video that we did and we got to film it there as well. So it was a great night. Well, that's right. You talk about giving back to the pub, the pub features in the video. Yeah, exactly. They really wanted to get on board and I don't know, when you connect with different people throughout your business your career and I just felt like music for me is just my way of connecting and it's like any sort of business if it happens it happens and if it takes off and it works well and we all get along it's just a great network for sure while we're on the subject of the new single Gemma what was the inspiration where did the song come from <laughs> well I'd been co-writing with Rod McCormack who produced this single genius yeah. yeah, the first time I've actually been able to record in his studio and he's an amazing mentor. Mm. I've been mentored by his wife, Gina Jeffries, for the past year now as well. Yep. So they're just amazing people. They have created this great atmosphere of, you know, musicians and I just feel so at home and like I'm a part of the team and, you know, that's what you want to feel welcomed and so a part of the group and it's just been great. So to be co-writing with Rod, you know, over Zoom, I'll get up at 6 a.m. He's up at 6 a.m. We jump on Zoom. We're connecting with his Nashville songwriters, Sally Barris. She was the other co-writer on this track. Mm -hmm. So they got to know who I am in a short time. And I, I like to kind of be vulnerable and open and say, you know, uh, I've had my fair run of bad relationships. My music career kind of takes the forefront of my life yeah. and I run with it. If I get a gig in WA, I'm going, see yeah. you later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I kind of think you're only in your 20s and now I'm just about to step into my 30s. So I'm like, I'm glad the last 10 years I've been able to travel and just up and leave if I need to and go on that tour with the Sunny Cowgirls and Sarah Store and go over to WA and learn to drive trucks in the mines over there and worked on stations. So it's just been a whole array of things. So where the story comes from in the song is I've been a bit of a fool when it comes to finding love. Okay. You know, it's been a lesson for me and I love love. I like to really connect with people and I don't know, just kind of share stories and if you're on the same path, then that's great. But if you're not, then you've got to be like, okay, we got to let you go. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. You know, my <laughs> friends told me you aren't a great match. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. It's like you have your people around you to kind of guide you in the relationship side of things. And yeah, I guess I'm just calling myself a fool and it's in a fun, lighthearted way. And there's no shame in it. It's all about growth and, yeah, it was fun. Brilliant. Now, what's coming up for you? A new album perhaps? More touring? Yeah, well, as I said, I've been co-writing for the last few months with Rod. So we've got some more songs coming. Not planning an album just yet, but we really wanted to focus on getting myself back out there because of COVID and everything. Mm. Everyone's kind of gone into hiding. Now we're all coming back out. So there's so many live gigs available. 
So living in the Hunter Valley, Newcastle region, I really want to reach out and do a lot of live music again, but jump back in the studio in a few months' time and, yeah, produce some more singles. Fantastic. Well, something for us to look forward to. Now, where can our listeners go online to find out more about you and keep up to date with your recordings and performances? Yeah, you can jump on my website. It's gemmabeach.com.au. And it's Gemma with a J and Beach with a double E. So it's a little bit different there. But I've also got Facebook, Instagram, I'm on Spotify, Apple Music. So, yeah, and I guess I, oh, I've just been learning the TikTok thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> well done, you. So I'll hopefully get more on the TikTok because apparently 70% of the users in 2022 have been adults. So mm. there you go. Indeed. Folks, our special Aussie music guest this week has been Gemma Beach. That's Gemma with a J and Beach with two E's. Gemma, sadly, we're out of time for now, but thanks heaps for finding the time to come and play on the road with us. No worries. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope you enjoy my new song. Well, to finish up the chat, would you be kind enough to introduce it for us? No worries. My name's Gemma Beach, and this is my brand new single called You Fool. Thanks, Gemma. Take care. Thank you so much.
G'day everyone. This is Gordon, your favorite Canadian refugee trucker living in America, where, whilst hauling logs around the far northern reaches of Appalachia, I enjoy the On the Road podcast with Mike and Andy. Keep it up with the news and history and everything that's good about trucking and the land down under. What a great show. Thanks a bunch. Something to talk about is brought to you by Only Trucks and Credit One. Buying your next truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au. Let's have a bit of a talk about changeover bays. Now, there's been a lot of discussion about rest areas and rest area funding. Precious little about changeover bays. As they say, trucking's an essential service. And like we do say, without trucks, Australia stops. So the infrastructure that we need to keep freight moving as safely as possible is also essential. It's also essential that these facilities are appropriately sited and then once they're there, properly maintained. The idea that changeovers between our capital cities have been a staple of operations for many years is just not new. Drivers have got by with some pretty poor facilities, using rest areas, dropping trailers on the side of the road, etc., That's now rightly regarded as unacceptable exposure to danger. We've only got to look at some of the incidents that have happened there at the old BP at Clybucca to realise the cost of what trying to change your trailers over in a poorly lit, unsuitable area really is. Every time we go to get planning permission or funding to build a proper changeover area, just like rest areas, there's no standards and it just makes our job that much harder. Ask for the space and it's not in my backyard, mate. Also, the major carriers are quite happy to let the expense of maintaining these and operating these changeover areas fall to other people. So we need to consider this. Now, the conversation is now turning to the need for a changeover facility at Clybucca. In the view of many of us, this is something that should have been addressed, discussed, planned and constructed before the bypass was even open. There were voices raised to this in a timely fashion, and the fact that those voices were ignored should probably tell you something about how hard it is to get something done with respect to the services that we provide. Now that the realisation's hit that there does need to be a changeover facility up there, the planning will go ahead with limited conversations with the people that are going to be using these facilities and certainly going to have to endure whatever is provided afterwards. So we need to talk about that. I mean, you've only got to look at the construction of the Tarkata changeover facility and the shortcomings there to tell you that perhaps some input from people actually using the facilities might have been a better idea. Hundreds of trucks use changeover facilities every night. They're not standard rest areas, and they really shouldn't be lumped in with standard rest areas. Only a masochist goes into a changeover bay to have a long break. Either that, or you've got no choice. Who wants to lay there and listen to the uh, reversing beepers and the the slamming of turntables, bloody truck drivers having loud conversations with each other and generally going about their business? It's a work area. It's really not a rest area. And it really shouldn't be treated as such. And frankly, what do we bring to the small towns that these changeover areas are sited at? Jake breaks, noise, disruption to the town. We also bring the maintenance costs to their councils. I can't think of a good reason why the Council of Neil or Tarkata would be happy to be paying the maintenance cost of the changeover facilities. And I can't conceive of a possible reason why the Council of Clybucca will be happy to pay the cost of a changeover facility there. 
It's a drain on their resources and we don't take anything to them. We don't buy anything there. As I said before, the Caltex at nil doesn't trade 24 hours a day anymore. The area over the road from the Caltex where guys used to conduct changeovers was inappropriate at the time. But it also afforded a stream of customers who would go over the road and buy a coffee or a pie or something like that. These are the things that have got to be considered, the collateral damage. Sometimes these things just don't happen. There are a couple of possibilities when it comes to the maintenance and the funding of these changeover bays. The first is that we could partner government, council and a fuel company and have the fuel company provide all the amenities. Council and government provide subsidy or access to land or zoning permission to expand the parking area and therefore make it available to more drivers to use and obviously make their maintained facilities available to use. The second reasonable option is to get the companies that use the facilities, because it's not everyone, to pay a small fee for the maintenance every time they use them. It really wouldn't be that hard. Swipe your card on the way through on a boom gate, for example, or number plate recognition or something like that with a, each company having an account. As I said, the majors are more than happy to let the costs fall to other people. I don't really think that's fair. What's a clean shower and a toilet facility worth to a driver when he needs it? Well, it's worth a lot, and we really do need to consider that purpose-built, well-lit and spacious areas allowing for our large accommodations to manoeuvre safely, proper amenities for the drivers. These things are a priority. We're always being told we're part of the team. The team at the office, the admin staff, everyone in the yard, they have access to toilets and facilities. Why don't the drivers? Now, it's like the Christmas barbecue. If you're the driver and you're out on the road, you're not getting any access to that either. I think I'd much rather have access to the toilet than the Christmas barbecue, but it's just saying that to illustrate a point. We're the guys and girls doing the job. It's about time our needs on the road were considered as part of the planning. That's something to talk about, something to think about. Keep it safe out there. We'll catch you on the road. Copy there, Andy. Yeah, gotcha, go. You've got to love that big brekkie at the roadhouse. Oh, you're not wrong. It's a great feed. Hey, was that Davo's truck that came in spluttering and coughing like an old tractor? Yeah, mate, I think it's about time we upgraded the old girl. Yeah, roger that. Though it's a bit of a nightmare shopping for a new rig. Doesn't have to be, mate. Found this place called Only Trucks. An online one-stop shop for buying and selling trucks. All the best makes and models. It's associated with Credit One. Organise the finance for you. You can deal with the sellers direct through the website. Cut out the middleman, save time and money. Sounds like the way to go. Where do I find them? Too easy, mate. Go to onlytrucks.com.au and it's all laid out there for you. You should send Davo a text and tell him to go to Only Trucks and get a new rig. Might just buy you a beer or three. Davo? He wouldn't shout if he was bit by a shark, mate. <laughs> Upgrading your truck has never been so easy. Go to onlytrucks.com.au. Number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. 
There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. G'day Mike, you sound miles away mate. I am miles away, I'm sitting over in the port in Windy Wellington in the North Island of New Zealand waiting to get on the boat to go for a bit of a ride in what's bound to be a very choppy sea. Oh that sounds like fun. It is, mate. We'll be heaving our guts out in no time flat. You haven't got your seasick pills with you? No. I did bring some floaties, though. <laughs> Good. Yeah, you'd be used to carrying them everywhere with you. That's right, mate. I am. Yeah, yeah. Mate, just quickly, before we kick in, some of our listeners may have already spotted that we loaded a bonus episode this week, but for those who may have missed it, can you tell us quickly what it's all about? Yeah, mate, it's the National Truck Accident Research Centre report, or the Natasa report, as it's become known. And we worked through that with Adam Gibson from NTI. It was a quite an interesting look at the stats that happened over the last financial year. Absolutely. Some very, very good stuff. So if you haven't seen it yet, have a look at the bonus episode. It's all there. Yep, it is indeed. Now, mate, in keeping with your current location in the land of the long white cloud, yep. I have a little story for you. And it's about this Aussie truckie who, coincidentally, his name is Mike, was on holidays in New Zealand. Sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah, and he stopped at this bar on the South Island for a quiet ale or two. He was a friendly guy, and as he started on his first beer, this big guy sat down on the stool next to him. Yeah. Mike decided to say good day to the bloke and said, hey, mate, do you want to hear a great Kiwi joke? <laughs> and the big bloke turned to him and said, well, bro, before you tell that joke, you should know that I'm six foot three, 125 kilos, and I played as a forward for the All Blacks. Now, the bloke next to me is six foot two, 115 kilos, and he's also an ex-All Blacks forward. And the bloke on the other side of you is six foot six, hundred and twenty eight kilos, and he's a current all black front rower. Yeah. Now, do you still want to tell that Kiwi joke? <laughs> nah, said Mike, not if I'm gonna to have to explain it three times. <laughs> oh, you can't say that, mate. You'll get us hung. Yeah. Remember I'm in New Zealand for another week yet. If someone listens to that, I'll be shot, mate. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Here we go. A Monash University study into truck driver health has indicated that if nothing is done to improve the health of Australia's male truckies, more than 6,000 lives and $2.6 billion in productivity could be lost over the next 10 years. Yeah, it's quite an interesting study. If your listeners remember, we had a bit of a chat with Ross Isles from Monash University about the research that they've been doing, and it fits right in with that. Mm. Unfortunately, I think we look at the numbers here and we have a bit of a chat about it, Truck drivers aren't very good at filling out these surveys, are they? Mm -hmm. So what really needs to happen is that we need to probably do a little bit more in the area and looking at the driving health program, what goes on there, it's a vital area to look at. We're none of us getting any thinner and we're none of us getting any fitter and I think that we probably need to do some more. Go to bigrigs.com.au and read the full story. It's a little bit involved. They're talking about the high prevalence of cardiovascular disease, obesity, hypertension and all those other truck-related good things that we all love to do to ourselves driving around in big trucks. Yeah. 
Anyone who travels through Queensland would be familiar with the roadside driver reviver sites around the state. Yep. Well, 23 of these sites are set to be shut down in 2023 as the Department of Transport and Main Roads believes the costs outweigh the benefits. Yeah. Mate, it's incredible to me. They talk about fatigue and wanting to manage fatigue, and yet then they go ahead and do something like this. Mm. I find it very, very difficult to come to grips with. Yeah, we're heading towards holidays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand why they think that it's a good idea to do this at any time, but let alone at this time. So I say go to bigrigs.com.au and have a look at the story. Yeah, well, it's not like they were, you know, handing out the cappuccinos. Yep. They were the industrial roast variety of coffee, so not too expensive. That's right. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Everyone's unanimously upset about it. Mm. And the question's asked is why would Mark Bailey want to take that track? doesn't make any sense at all. None whatsoever. The rest areas available for drivers to stop and recover. It's all about road safety. We get it rammed down our neck day after day, but for some reason or other, we can't keep a driver reviver open. I mean, we're either serious or not. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Shipping containers filled with ballast are to be used to prevent rockfalls during the repair work currently underway on the $1.6 billion Toowoomba bypass. Yeah, $1.6 billion they spent, and they didn't get the geology right, and that's obvious. You've only got to look at the photos in the story mm. and see the giant cracks that have opened up. Tony Gregg would go mental out there with a set of car keys. <laughs> He'd lose them, yeah. Wouldn't he? I just wish I could do the South African accent at this point. <laughs> we'll just whip over here and push the keys into this crack, and we'll see what happens. Look at the crack. Have you seen the pictures? Yeah, yeah. Bloody incredible, mate. Horrendous. And, of course, now we're going to go and take a 20-cent solution to fix a problem, mm. you know? Mm. Bloody ridiculous. We'll slow the traffic down, we'll block half a lane, we'll put these containers filled with ballast to maybe stop a little bit of rock. The thing should be fixed properly. The worst part about this is the trucks have been forced to use this piece of road and now you've got these PBS road trains being driven through the middle of Toowoomba and anyone that drives through Toowoomba knows you're going up and down the hills driving through Toowoomba, sets of traffic lights at the bottom of the hills with cameras on them. Yep. You're supposed to try and stop and drive safely mm-hmm. and then try and take off without tearing the drive shaft out. And when it goes sideways, whose fault will it be? Yep. It'll be the bloke behind the wheel. Not these clowns that can't design and build a road properly. All a bit challenging, isn't it? It is a bit challenging, mate. Don't start me. I'll get on my eye horse. I'm on the phone from New Zealand. I'm yelling at you now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Right, hey. <laughs> Mike, there's more work for our friends at Queensland Rail with two separate incidents of trucks hitting the Oxley Road Railway Bridge in Corinda in less than a week. We're going to need to change the ad, mate. We are. There's <laughs> a truck hit the Oxley Road Rail Bridge again. I mean, Jesus wept. Have you seen the video? Go to bigrigs.com.au, check out the story. Another bridge strike at Oxley Road Rail Bridge. There is the beautiful video there of a lovely green truck with yellow sign writing on them. I'm not sure if we can say it because they've blanked it out. We're not allowed to actually say the name of the irresponsible driver. Yeah. Mm. That has gone under there at full noise and hit this thing and flipped it onto its side. It's ridiculous. It is. Absolutely ridiculous. Maybe we should just sort of send the MP3 of the ad <laughs> to XYZ Transport Company, who shall remain unnamed, and uh, just let them play it for their drivers. That is a rookie mistake. There's no excuse for that at all. Oh, yeah. None. And twice in the one week. Well, mate, what can we say? And it's right in their backyard. Yep. I don't understand. How could the driver not know? Yeah, there you go. Drives me crazy. GPS says go. Yeah. Bridge says no. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how the day of operations controller at Queensland Rail dealt with it. We might have to ask him. I wonder if he tightened his little bow tie up and just said, Christ, not again. Guys, know your trucking height. That's right, know your trucking height.
the Barclay Homestead Roadhouse, which is the only fuel stop for 500 kilometres between Tennant Creek and the border community of Camerwheel in Queensland, will be closed for the foreseeable future yeah. after a major fire broke out in the kitchen this week. I wonder if they burnt the toast. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> oh, I've seen the picture. What's the old thing? If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. That's right. I mean, we really shouldn't laugh about it. It's a bloody tragedy. It is. So it's going to affect a lot of people going out that way. Getting fuel out there is not easy at the best of times. And then to have 500 kilometres out there between Tennant Creek and uh, Camelwheel where you can't get some fuel, it's going to make a big difference to people. I only want to talk about the story, just let people know that there is no service out there. You can't get a feed there and you might need to make sure that you've got enough fuel. Go to bigrigs.com.au and have a bit of a look at the pictures and you can see the extensive damage done in the kitchen. Mm. Time of year, it's like heading for high temperatures, 30s and 40s, the roadhouse is going to be shut. Yeah. So make sure you've got everything you need before you go out there. That's the rule in the Australian Outback anyway. For sure. Well, mate, I know you're on the long distance from NZ. Yeah. All this will be costing you a fortune and taking money away from your pie account while you're over there, so... It's all right. We're in the land of the long white cloud, and I say Kia Ora, cobbers. Yeah. To all the Kiwis that are listening, I think that's the right way to say it. Yeah, something like that. I went and had some fish and chips last night in the pub. That was all right. Have a white bait fritter or two from me, will you? No worries at all. Very quickly, thought for the week. Yep. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. Exactly right. Exactly right. Something in that for all of us, mate. Travel safe, mate. Take care of yourself, mate. I'll see you when I'm looking at you. See you, buddy. Bye. Hold your horses. We've got some late-breaking news. Now, let me see if I can find some of Mike's amazing breaking news sound effects here. Breaking news. Ah, there we go. Mike was going to bring us some taking it to the streets grabs from the recent Illawarra convoy for kids, but unfortunately, due to ridiculous weather, they had to cancel the annual fun day aspect of the event. The good news is that in spite of the late cancellation, over the previous week of activities, a massive total of $1,358,500 was raised before the New South Wales event had even begun. Illawarra Convoy Manager Mark Rigby announced the final figure over the air on The Breakfast Show on Radio I-98FM. Rigby said that the generosity from the Illawarra continued to amaze him each and every year. While so many families are doing it tough at the moment, they still managed to give generously to help those who are going through the unimaginable. It's why we continue to do what we do, said Rigby. Despite the cancellation of the fun day part of the event, the convoy itself still ran seamlessly with thousands of people lining the streets of the Illawarra to see 671 motorcycles, yay for the bikers, and 707 trucks taking part in the event, the biggest of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere. All funds raised go directly to the Illawarra Community Foundation, which helps families affected by life-threatening illnesses. As a footnote, since 2005, the convoy has raised in excess of $22 million for this worthy charity. Rain, hail or shine, the convoy rolls on. Congratulations to all involved and to all those who donated. A huge thank you. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Adam Brand really needs no introduction, but nonetheless, here goes. 
He's won 12 Golden Guitar Awards, had 15 studio albums, three of them platinum and five gold, and he's been eight times CMC Oz Artist of the Year. He's recently released his new album, All or Nothing, and he's just dropped a new single from the album. Here to take us out of the show this week is the unstoppable Adam Brand with his brand new single, A Little Less Lonely. I can tell by the way you're drinking Somebody said goodbye And I bet you're thinking What you need is a real good cry You could cry if you want Or you could hold on to me And be a little less lonely Let's take this out on the floor Slow dancing I'm not asking for anything more Forget about him I'll forget about her Tonight we both just need A little less lonely I'm not talking about a cheap one-nighter That don't mean nothing Sure, feel something. It won't take long, just a couple songs, and I think that we could be a little less lonely. Let's take this out on the floor, a little slow dancing. I'm not asking for anything more. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Be sure to join us again next week when our guest says... No worries. <laughs> Mike says... Have you ever done it just for a joke? And Andy says... Uh, I'm just trying to think. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. I'm not asking for anything more. Forget about him, I'll forget about her. And tonight we both just need a little less love. out on the floor a little slow dancing